Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Everyone out there in Star Trek land, this is Star Trek from the holodeck, the Lower Decks edition, and I'm your host and captain, Michael Flores. If you are new to our shows, we cover a very wide variety of Star Trek content, and you can find our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search from the holodeck. Our preferred podcast provider is iTunes. And we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating and drop a review. It helps our show grow and get seen by more people. And if you happen to be watching us on YouTube, please click that subscribe button and give it us a like because it also triggers algorithms. We are trying to get the YouTube thing going. In the studio and on the bridge is David Sabal as well. Hello. How's it going? Are you ready? Are you oh. ready for this discussion? <laughs> oh, it's Lower Decks, dude. And I'm sorry. This series basically makes me want to constantly say, I want to be an ensign for life. Because so you if, want to be like Ensign Kim, you know, uh, you a know lifer. What? It's not so bad when you think about it. <laughs> All I'm saying, Dave, is that they better, when because it's only a matter of time before we get an Ensign Kim reference in Lower Decks. And he better still be an ensign just for the ongoing <laughs> joke. Just for the, do not make him a lieutenant. Oh, please. No, no, no. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You got to keep that ongoing joke. Now, it would be realistically, honestly, when he returns home, finally, he probably would get a promotion. But come on, for the purposes of humor, please make him an ensign. Oh, it would be so hilarious. It would be so hilarious. And the, Imagine the season finale ends with a new Lower Decks crew a crew member joining the thing, and it's Ensign Kim. Oh, wow. David, that is the best idea you've ever had. Please make Ensign Kim a part of the Lower Decks crew. And, and it's like a running, you can make it an entire running gag that out of all the act, out of all like the characters they could have pulled, Kim is the one who stays in the Lower Decks. Yeah. And it would be so awesome. It is funny, and... I wouldn't mind that. I do think that would be humorous, but at the same time, because this is canon, it would also make me a little sad because. I, but why, he, dude? He I mean, should be, he should this, be promoted at some point. This, Come on. this show has proven. This show has proven, especially in this episode, of how it is so much better to be part of the lower decks to yeah. be an ensign for life. Because when you when you're given the responsibilities of higher ranking. Yeah. Higher ranks suck. I don't know. I don't know. I would listen. You got, uh, you got to go to parties that basically are, look really boring. But also you get <laughs> premium holodeck, you know, placements that you don't have to wait in line. You get to have first dibs, you know, <laughs> first dibs on everything. Yeah. Okay. So we are going to be breaking down and discussing episode five of 
the second season of Star Trek Lower Decks titled An Embarrassment of Duplers. This episode is definitely one of the better ones to date. Yes. There was a lot of character development in this episode, pairing Mariner once again with Boimler, Tendi with Rutherford, and then using the bridge crew to be the catalyst that gets the narrative moving in the right direction. And then a lot of this development happens while revolving around this catalyst around this event. And I like that the writers make room as much as possible for Mariner's continued growth as a person and a character. She, yes, this is one of those episodes that was largely about everyone, but at the center, it was about Mariner. And I want to say this episode was the first that really let her, and we have had episodes where we have seen that vulnerability, but this is the episode that really let that vulnerability show. Yes. Because she openly, openly admitted her feelings to Boimler about how she felt. You know, we've had these moments before we've seen her, you know, overcompensate due to how, you know, due to her issues of self-esteem, which we saw that a few episodes back uh, when she was talking about the men. Oh, I love men like that. You know, and just always lying about things to make herself, you know, not, I should say not to make herself be hidden necessarily, but to not show who she really is to people. Even her own friends like Tendi and Rutherford and, and Boilmer up, of course, until this point where she finally was able to let that, that whole thing go Yeah, and show her true emotions. I mean, she's, she's a bit of a narcissist and neurotic, but at the end of the day, she's aware of these traits and she wants to work through them. But only as far as it concerns Boimler. Yes. And it and the thing that they've been hinting at is Mariner's like Mariner has had this like uh hurt feelings since Boimler left at the end of last season. And everyone constantly it's been like a it, subtle joke they've been doing every single episode of how Mariner would treat Boimler badly because Boimler left and we finally get a true answer that it's more than just, you know, like Boimler just leaving. It was the fact that the way he left, he didn't say anything. He just basically peaced out, didn't say anything after everything. And Mariner was, was actually legitimately hurt because of that. Yeah. And I like that because it shows that she truly does have feelings. She does have emotions, but it's just hard for, her to show them yes. and I feel like that's a very important element to bring to the forefront of Star Trek because Star Trek has always been about the human condition it yeah. has among other things but that's definitely been one of its core elements and to use Mariner in such a way to help people relate because there are a lot of people out there that are afraid of showing emotion oh 100% 100% and, and it wasn't just okay now is a convenient time for Mariner to show her feelings and 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 show a display of emotion. No, it was because, and this is again the main aspect of this episode was about friendship and community, and it was about friendship. That's the reason why she was willing to finally express herself because she knew that her friendship with Boimler was finally it was coming under pressure. It was it, at its tipping point, right? Because of how she felt and he felt. And they weren't communicating about it. It was actually affecting their friendship. And she knew that. And because Boimler is very important to her, she 
finally decided to just get it out there because she knew that if they didn't, their friendship would continue to deteriorate. Yes. And it, that in itself is a very relatable thing for many people out there because it, it, it is a thing where communication is easier said than done. Yeah. And communicating isn't just, you know, talking to someone. Communicating is about expression. Feeling vulnerable and, you know, having thoughts and opinions and then having those thoughts and opinions possibly uh, not be received kindly. I mean, that's the risk that people take when they communicate because, you know, that's why so many people are afraid because they don't know how it's going to be taken. Whether Will there be judgment? Will people look at you differently if you are open about certain things? That was the brilliance of this episode because it took Mariner's feelings... And without her coming out and literally, you know, saying it in a monologue or a narration, but the, the, the whole idea of making the episode tied together with that concept, I mean, even with the thing with the Duplers dude was mm-hmm. hilarious and it, and that in itself, the situation with the Duplers mirrored what we saw with Mariner and Boimler. Mm-hmm. Where like self-esteem, self-esteem and also, I mean, that's the having to walk around on eggshells and everything. Is it dude? It's, it's really good. This is where lower deck shines and we've had some fun episodes this year, but this is what I was talking to you off air. If you remember, uh, before, cause I don't want to always be negative and rip things apart. And I've, I've liked this season, but I feel like this season has missed these types of episodes, which is what a large part of the second half and maybe that's why we're getting into this now of last season was really about these strong episodes that are really about our characters and the way the dupler was used as well i mean it it was a guy that duplicated himself when he was under high stress issues of self-esteem self-worth caring about how people perceived him it's inferring how to the audience how mariner feels in a lot of ways so it's it's a very it's a very smart episode to be completely honest with our, with our listeners. It really is. Especially in this episode, because you have all storylines dealing with this centralized concept of communication and how friendship, community, communication, communication and and how everyone connects the thing with, and, and they do it in different ways that it doesn't seem like they're just, rinse and repeating you know because they do uh, the the so, uh, the the core concept of the episode wraps around mariner and and boimler but then you have like the dupler thing like i mentioned and you have the stuff with rutherford dude was awesome because i'm sorry as a as an old school star uh, star trek fan who grew up with the toys and everything I felt so much like Rutherford in this episode. You're such a nerd, David. Because, like, you know, like, the fact that he wasn't able to finish the model. Yeah. And then you find out that basically Tendi was doing it on purpose because this was the only way she could figure out to hang out with him. This is something they did as friends. Yeah. Yeah. And and in the end, Rutherford realizes it. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's... That's really cool. And it's that mo that was the situation that made me realize what the core idea of this episode was. Yeah. Yeah. Deep friendships is one of those core elements of Star Trek. And that's why this episode really worked because friendships have always been used to infer meaning. 
and bring the context of the immediate story to the forefront when it concerns Star Trek. I mean, you have a, a deep sense of community is is a wonderful statement to begin with. And I think it would be remiss of of us not to take this moment to differentiate community from tribalism because yes. there, there are um, people who confuse the two because Trek has never been tribal. And I feel like this current time in history, it's very important to understand the differences when we see tribalistic behavior. Yeah. Hey, let me take two on that because I don't like how that sounds. Uh, we are seeing the rise. There we go. Of tribalistic behavior in this country. So it's important to differentiate the two. Community is how people congregate under common understanding, manners, ethics, tradition, and sometimes law. Yeah. Whereas tribalism is often a socially, ethically, and politically cohesive group of people that shun other tribes and more often than not against the teachings. They are against the teachings and ideologies of other tribes. So that's not Star Trek, mm-hmm. that latter. Yeah. But the former. Tribalism. The former is very much a part of Star Trek community. So as a Star Trek fan, I really appreciate the inclusion of these elements because you see the community strength really come through in an episode like this. Well, that's uh, specifically because of where the narrative took us by the end, having Mm -hmm. the entire Cerritos crew congregate at that dive bar and realize this is how it should be in the end. This is what matters. And ultimately it, it's paving that road that we mentioned last season and that this season's moving past. You had this dysfunctional family in the beginning and you see how they are working through the dysfunction and becoming a legit community and family, a bit of a work in progress. Yeah. And honestly, this episode really showed the talent that Mike McMahon and his writers, writer's pen really have when it comes to writing Star Trek story uh, storylines, mm-hmm. because he could have ended it there, but then, you know, like just f- to take it even further and showing that Mike McMahon understands and really believes in Star Trek. Right. He connects it to the one thing that we as fans all know, connecting it to the story of Kirk and Spock. I love it. And it, all of a sudden, in the very end, you find out that the bar was the 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 place where Kirk and Spock always hung out as friends, hanging out. And then everything about community, communication, and friendship all convey in this one bar that originated because of Kirk and Spock, the the original pair, the original pe- the original examples. Uh, that of a deep friendship of a deep friendship yeah and it really does show that mike mcmahon loves star trek he understands it and it's not lip service it's also clarified a few things when it comes to how boimler and mariner of the status of their friendship because i feel like this episode clarified that it isn't a romantic in any way that this is just they are truly best Best friends. friends. Yeah, at, at a very intimate level. And I, I love it because you're right. Bringing all of this aspect, um, the elements of, you know, Rutherford and Tendi, which I thought was, as you mentioned, was just an impact, just as impactful as the Boimler and Mariner story. We, you know, we see Rutherford struggling with his own issues of self-esteem. Again, another element that's connected 
He's been struggling all season with the notion of possibly not being as good as his former self. Yeah. He's been having a bit of extension of an extension existential crisis, uh, which came to a head in this episode. And it shows the importance yet again of community and friendship by utilizing Tendi to help Rutherford through his problems. There are moments that are just heart touching, you know, like how Rutherford and Tendi, as you had said, work on a model, but never finish because they want to have something to do together and not be bothered by others. And then bringing this entire idea completely together as you mentioned, with the names of Kirk and Spock etched into the bar where Boimler and Mariner were sitting, I felt like that was just an excellent way to frame the importance of these Trek friendships and to clarify exactly what they were doing in this episode. But, David, it does beg the question, when were Kirk and Spock together (laughs) and considered not important? We know that Lower Decks is canon. Yes. So are they suggesting that Kirk and Spock had started their friendship long before Kirk became captain of the Enterprise? Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing I I think even like when Star Trek got rebooted, they kind of showed that there was a Are you talking about the Kelvin timeline. The Kelvin timeline. Yeah. There was a start of a relationship between Kirk and Spock, mm-hmm. whether it was as rivals in in the academy or, you know, but that also was a timeline completely completely different yeah but it but it goes into even the idea that universally as star trek fans we kind of gravitated towards which was the idea that kirk spock and mccoy are destined they are destined to be together They're because fate, yeah. it's fate mm-hmm. it's something that they may be separated in different timelines, but somehow fate will bring those Their three. Friendship supersedes fate. There's yes, I fucking exactly. love it. Yeah, I, that's, and, that's the thing I loved about Kelvin timeline. And that's why I loved. Yeah, yeah, that that basically the Kelvin timeline basically showed was like the importance of that that relationship of those three. Yeah, and ever since then, if you think about it, in a lot of stories, even in the comics or the books that have come out, you see that this this relationship between Kirk and Spock and McCoy have almost become kind of like a, a, a Holy Trinity for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like it is fated to be no matter what their, their, their lives have to cross at some point and they're going to be brought all together because that's their community. That's their, that's their friendship. So do you think, do you think, and this is get, getting into, you know, speculative areas here, and usually we don't do this type of talk on Lower Decks because they don't get into the the more important things, like meaning the ever-expanding world of Star Trek, as much as, let's say, Discovery does. I mean, Discovery's paving new trails completely. But they're they're in the future, though. Remember, they're in right. the future. Right, and I'm saying that you do, and yes, you're, you, they have to be careful when you're dealing with an area that's confined by what we do know and what we what we know of the past and what we know of the present so you're in a very you're in a a sandbox with giant walls yes so you have to be careful however i mean this could lead into what we talked about during our star trek day joe where there's a possibility that we may see a younger kirk i have that written in my notes on in strange new worlds Mm -hmm. and they meet and start becoming friends a lot sooner than we've all assumed, you know, which doesn't mess up canon in no. any way. 
I mean, it would make sense that they know of each other and maybe they don't have that bond that they would. No, because I feel like if they're etching their names in a bar uh, at that point, at that point when they are not important, (laughs) then this bond would have to have started much sooner. sooner. Because which I'm, I'm as a star. Are you okay with that as a Star Trek baby? Are you okay with that? Because I'm okay as long as it's done the right way. As long as it's done the right way, and honestly, that idea just strengthens the one core concept of all Star (laughs) Trek, and like. It's always been it's always been the one thing that we've always said they sh- they cannot break certain core concepts of Star Trek with this new era. Yeah. And one of the core con- concepts that as I said is kind of turned into like a holy trinity is you do not mess with McCoy, Spock and Kirk and their relationship as as friends becoming brothers, becoming family. What if they turn them gay? Oh, I'm here, Spock. Kirk is bisexual, but yeah. hey. Oh, listen. There's always been rumors that he was. He was, <laughs> but but the that's the thing is kind of like whatever they do, they just have to actually keep emphasizing the fact that this is not about a romantic relationship because there's so many different types of relationships out there. Yeah, and absolutely. This relationship is is pure. It's innocent. It's basically the 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 core concept of being friends. Yeah, and like and what it really means and what it, what what it truly does mean to be friends. Yeah, and especially if they were due to do that in Strange New Worlds, I think it makes sense. Yeah, because now with the now with the thought process that okay we're gonna introduce Ensign Uhura and in Strange New Worlds, in Strange New Worlds, right. it opens the door that basically we can introduce some of the uh, the original crew yeah. as ensigns. And we're getting off topic here, but Dave, you you are right, and it would feel a bit weird for us to have people like Uhura and Spock, and then we pretend Kirk doesn't exist. And Kirk doesn't exist. Yeah. But like that's why, as I said, is like it makes after uh, after I watched th- this episode and I thought about it, actually connecting lower decks to Strange New Worlds would be kind of cool because like yes, Spock at this point is on the Enterprise and he is the science officer the point the, in Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah. You can still introduce Kirk as an ensign and. They can still have a have have rapport with each other, but Kirk's an ensign, mm-hmm. so <laughs> so well, it would we'll actually see. it actually would strengthen the bond. And I can honestly see a scene from Strange New Worlds playing out like how they kind of said it did in Lower Decks. You know, Spock who doesn't say anything; he's very quiet, and Kirk who is just bombastic and drinking all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that was what the story was about this week. Friendship, community, issues of self-esteem, vulnerability. But moving over to story C, the Cerritos bridge crew was used to not only strengthen the idea of community and friendship, but they were used as the catalyst for all the craziness of this episode, which was probably, and I've been thinking about this now for the last couple of days, I think this type of craziness rivals the episode where the, what was that, that character that wanted to reach 
enlightenment. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I think this episode reaches that type of silliness. And I love it. The Cerritos' task was transporting a Dupler emissary to Starbase 25 with Duplers being a species that create duplicates of, of themselves when they become agitated. No, no. When they become nervous. N- nervous, nervous or agitated, isn't it? Like No, because when they get agitated, that's when they actually uh, unduplicate. They, that's right. Yeah. She uses that against them. That's right. So to prevent the hassle of dealing with duplicates, the crew has been stressing themselves to accommodate their diplomatic passenger. That's the setup. And it was legitimately funny as hell. It was creative, unique, and original. It did remind me, when I say original, I mean original to Star Trek, because it did remind me of the Mr. Meeseeks episode in (laughs) Rick Rick and Morty. Morty. Yes. But this is what I had said last week to you, David, when we were off air. I want to start seeing more new things from Lower Decks. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the references. I appreciate that this series is designed to be fun. And I'm okay with that. I get that. And the Star Trek and this Star Trek series, Lower Decks, is fun in that way. But also, I don't want it to fall into the comfort zone of simply being satire and parody. Like, if this is canon, then let's do some stuff with it as well. Let's let's move the, the story of Star Trek forward in in a bigger way as well. In in the in terms of in terms of the bigger picture of Star Trek and the fact that this is a new alien. Fits the bill, in my opinion. It fits yes. the definition of what I wanted. The mm-hmm. Dupler is a new character in Star Trek that we've never yeah, seen so. before. And, I, and I'm happy with that because I would love to see more of that in Lower Decks. You know, the introduction of new species. You can keep giving us the references and the callbacks, but also give us these new things. Yeah, and it, it's so cool because to me, especially with my... I'm all about the Dupler, dude. The Dupler... <laughs> It reminds me of like those episodes in TNG when Picard has to be the emissary and he has to do all these weird things. Yes. Like wear, yes. The, wear the headdress. Yes, right. Yeah. Learn how to speak like them and everything. And do you notice that in those episodes, they went out of their way to make the aliens stand out? Yeah. Like they are totally unique and different. And here they do it again. But this time it's the Lower Decks crew. It's not the TNG crew. It's the Lower Decks crew taking a page from TNG and saying, okay, we're going to create our own alien to create this type of story to tell our theme about communication and and community and create an alien race that is emotionally sensitive. Yeah, it's really good. It, it's so awesome because it... it, it it harkens back to TNG still, but it's still so original because yeah. they took the 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 risk and gamble and and created an alien that fits their story theme. Yeah. So outside of all that, we also were given the references and something new yet again, and that's City Alpha Four. We've never <laughs> yes. heard of City Alpha Four, and if it sounds familiar, it's because City Alpha Five. Five is where Khan was abandoned or dropped off his people from yes, the original series. Uh, originally, it was a habitable planet. And then City Alpha 6, I believe, had blown up and caused City Alpha 5 to shift its orbit. And then it became a barren wasteland. And that's why Khan was so adamant about getting revenge, revenge on, on Emra. And and the of the Federation mistakenly 
relabeled City Alpha 5 as City Alpha 7. Yeah, you remember, yeah, thanks, you know, check off. City Alpha 5. <laughs> City Alpha 5. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Star Trek. Also, the shampoo bottles of Data was funny. Oh, yeah. And yeah, the was- comment, Wait, is this all Data? Yeah, there could be some lures in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's the thing is like it's intelligent joke writing. It's fun. Okay, so Starbase, Starbase 25 was first mentioned on Star Trek, the animated series. So yet again, here's a connection that brings something that's not considered canon and recontextualizing it in such a way that it does bring it into canon. We talked about this. I can't remember what show we talked about this on. But we had talked about that the animated series is technically not considered canon. However, throughout the years, all these writers from Discovery, from Enterprise, um, I believe um, not Picard yet, they are using elements from the animated series that's then by default, or not by default, what's the word I'm looking for? By their actions are making these things. Now canon. Now canon, yeah. Which is kind of cool. I do like that. So Starbase 25 was first mentioned in the Star Trek, the animated series, in the 14th episode of the first season, the Slaver Weapon. And it also includes the Kazinti, I want to say, that's how you pronounce it, which is a species of alien that is represented among the ranks of the Cerritos crew that we saw in this episode specifically. So there's our connections to past Star Trek. And, and and they cont- and it's just not a connection they added to the mythos behind it they 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 essentially took something and yeah they connected it but then they added on to it which was i i personally like it when they when people do that because like many have always we've always uh kind of criticized people calling writing easter eggs yeah Easter eggs. Oh, it's just in the background. Okay. Yeah. All right. That That's a, yeah, your Easter egg. Fantastic. Do something with the Easter egg. Add to it. Or, Add to the mythos. Reference, yeah. reference. Add to it. Give us something more. I mean, also, we do get to a point. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, do we... That's why I kind of quit covering all the references. Because what other Star Trek show do we do that with? We don't. Because... it. it when does it become a reference or just a part of Star Trek? It's like going outside and and noticing that I have a grass lawn. Right, Dave? Yes. And then I notice that my neighbor has a grass lawn. Oh, look at this reference to my lawn. No, it's just a part of the world. It's just a part of life. And that's where I'm at right now with Lower Decks. And I'm juggling between what we should talk about in the way of reference and what is just a part of Star Trek. You know? So... I feel like there's a lot of clickbait articles out there that do try to overhype references and Easter eggs. Because it's 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 the hot button. It's what gets people's attention. Oh, did you see the it's secret clickbait. meaning behind yeah. this? Oh, secret meaning behind Starbase 25. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move into our final thoughts. We are at that time. David, why don't you start us off as well as give me your RMD score? I'll start off with my RMD score this time because I really like this episode. Mm -hmm. This episode is so far, so much different than the last episode where I love the last episode because of the dark humor that they did in there. But here, this is where 
we truly see the talent of the Lower Decks crew. And a crew as in the writers and the producers, Mike McMahon and his, his staff. Right away, this is a 90 for me. I like it because it pushes the 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 story of Mariner and Boimler forward and not only those two but the entire crew. Do you realize Mike out of all the new shows we've gotten Lower Decks is the one show that I can pinpoint where I know all the crew members, all the characters matter and it didn't take a season for us to get to know them. It takes Two episodes. Well, that's also the the benefit of having an episodic, self-contained show. Show, yeah. yeah. And like, it's hard to do that with a serialized series. Series that is focused on essentially one character. And I know what you're talking about. You're talking mm-hmm. about Star Trek Discovery. Discovery, not just Discovery. I mean, if you think about it, look at uh, Picard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we brag on Picard all the time, but one of the things that is a weakness of Picard when you look critically at it. Mm-hmm. You do not get con- connected to the crew because, like, no. there's nothing there to actually make us care about them. Right. Here, Lower Decks, Mike McMahon has made sure to pay attention to every single character that he has introduced to this show. And in this one, this is the first episode out of Lower Decks where I feel every single crew member, down to even the the officers, the, 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 uh, the bridge crew gets their moment to shine, to actually say, Oh yeah. I, seeing Jack Ransom's reaction to everything was hilarious. Oh, dude, Shaq's too. When, Shaq's. when the Dupler first started duplicating and they're all trying to calm him down. And all you do, all you do, Shaq's doesn't say anything. He just gives him a thumbs up. Like everything's okay, dude. <laughs> you see, it's just in the background. I like that. They're not drawing attention to certain things, but that doesn't mean they don't give us the details with yeah. the animation. Just the little things that technically having Shaxx give you a thumbs up and a smile, it doesn't matter if he's there or not, but it adds so it's much. It adds so much to him. And th- this is the most I've ever seen them give us with uh, with Captain Beckett, with, with uh, Mariner's uh, mom. The actual captain. I truly felt for her because she has to deal with this dupler who... Any single little thing, he suddenly thinks that it's the end of the world. <laughs> Listen, I, I know people like that in real life. Oh, yes, I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. A lot of them are on Twitter. <laughs> but, like, it, it it is very, very taxing, and it's walking on eggshells. It is the roughest yeah, thing by far. It's literally Twitter. So, like, this episode is is right now my favorite this out of thing, the entire this season. This entire episode is an allegory for the people on Twitter. On the people on Twitter? Oh, my God, you are right. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're giving it a 90%. 90%. Okay, are you ready, Dave? I'm giving this episode. I guess we're definitely... Um, we're differing here. I'm giving this episode a 96%. I feel like it's the strongest episode of the season. It, it is benefiting from all the work from the episode because it, it definitely accumulates to this point and it's getting us ready for the second half of the season. But yeah, it's a 96%. I think it's very strong. There's a lot of the the things that have been be- over the years have become a part of the, the Star Trek values, if you will. You know, friendship, strong sense of community. 
so I feel like it was a really good job just bringing everything together in this episode. So I'll keep it simple. 96%. But now, the rest of the season, my expectations yep. are now higher. And we do know that a lot of big things are coming up. Um, Star Trek Day did announce via Mike McMahon's panel that they are getting bigger and bigger over the second half of the season. God, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what they do. So this does bring us to the end. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain. It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.